Improvise. Musical. Comedy. What are the words? Make it up as you go along. Do you know what you're talking about? Rhyming. Choruses. Verses. Bridges. It's words. It's music. Sing it. It's musical. Sometimes. <laughs> Hello! Welcome to Musical Improv Comedy. I'm Joe Samuel. I'm Heather Urquhart. This is the first happening the happenings ever happened in. <laughs> We're going to take you right back to an undefined time in America as defined by the costumes of the people. Angel-headed hipsters burning for the ancient heavenly connection to the starry dynamo and the machinery of night. My poetry is a scream of protest. I sound the alarm. I shout in the atrophied ear of a sleeping America. In the morning frost, the cats step slowly. Charlie Parker, who recently died laughing at a juggler on TV. I'm going down to Puerto Rico. I'm going down on the midnight plane. And today we're going to be talking about um, something we did recently, a performance. Yes. Um, let me give you some background. Okay, go on. Okay, so uh, recently I've been uh, running a, a night down here in Brighton, where Joe and I are based, uh, called Exit, which stands for Experimental Improvised Theatre. Mm-hmm. And the idea of this night is that... Um, Everything is improvised, everything's a new form or a new idea someone's had and that it scares all of the performers. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's been fantastic so far. I think we've had about five, maybe six now. Um, and people have been doing fantastic stuff. But one of the kind of sub-agendas of this for me is that um, when I haven't got enough acts to do it, it means I'm kind of forced into doing something that I've had a stupid idea to do. Mm-hmm. Not that you ever have stupid ideas about anything to try out. No, never. <clears throat> no, we've never done anything weird. No, that's true. Uh, but anyway, I've been talking about this idea for, oh God, how long have we been talking about it? Oh, a couple of years? A couple of years. So basically do an improvised uh, jazz beat poetry. Together, always together, like some crazy pair of pigs. <laughs> trotting along together, with this beatific radiance shining off of them. We knew, man, we knew that they knew. So that's what we did. Yeah, that's what we did. We got together and had a rehearsal. Uh, we got a few people together that we thought might be kind of in that kind of headset to pull it off. Yeah, let's name check those people. Ben right Stevens. Now. Ben Stevens, Kevin Cherry, Rick Morris. Rebecca McMillan. And myself. And of course the band Beat to Death, who were... John Cherry. Um, Alan Grice. And myself, Jess Amman. Paul Grice, Paul Schultz. Who killed Paul Whitman? Who killed my lot? Who killed me? Is it was it supposed to be a homage or a pastiche? Okay, so um, from my perspective, even though I, I kind of kid about the fact that I hadn't done any preparation, mm-hmm. the idea for me came out of the fact that I do genuinely love this genre. As I think with anything that's a good pastiche, it, it comes from a place of affection and love. You know, yeah. I don't want to go in there and be like, this is all bullshit. Not at all, but it's a very easy genre to ridicule. It's true, but it depends what hat you're wearing or what 
what filter you're looking at something through. I mean, like, I'm sure if you read, I'm trying to think of an example. It's like Shakespeare, right? So if you're reading Shakespeare mm-hmm. as a kind of research project or how you're going to improvise Shakespeare, you'd probably read some of it and laugh about how Shakespearey it was mm-hmm. because sometimes it becomes like a pastiche of itself, doesn't yeah. it? So all the stuff about, you know, those themes of like the man and kind of God and hell and mm. women, you know, all those stuff, all the stuff that we kind of identified about it felt funny, I guess, because we were like, oh, we can't believe that it's that obvious. Mm. But then that's what the genre is, I guess. You Am see, I making I, sense? Yeah, I approached the whole thing because it's, I mean, it's a genre I know something about. And again, I read a little bit when I was a teenager and and all that generation and beat generation, all that. But um, I approached the whole thing as a comedy exercise. Yeah. It's kind of like, how can we extract the comedy from this? And I thought that it was going to be ridiculously easy and that the more faithful we were to the genre the funnier it was going to be in the context of the present day because this is stuff that happened 60 years ago Mm. and you know surely now it's ridiculous because I mean who needs free thought and rambling poetry and crazy jazz nowadays well it turns out we do yeah I was way wrong the poet's blood ran across the sidewalk, down the drain, and filtered drop by precious holy drops into the sewer that ran under the city. The blood of the poet mixed with the sewer water and flowed under New York, out into the East River, where it curdled into hate. And the blood flowed, and the blood flowed and mixed with the semen and became the washed stripes of the American flag. Yeah, the stripes, the stars and stripes. Here's a question. Mm-hmm. When they were doing this back in the 50s and 60s, do you think they were aware and do you think they exploited the comedy aspect of it as well? No. No. Don't think there was any comedy No. that they would have used? No. See, that's interesting, isn't it? Because, I mean, okay, so I'm thinking about, like, um, the stuff that I've read. And I'm not saying, like, people... So I'm not saying Jack Kerouac doesn't have a sense of humour. He mm. clearly does. Of course. He laughs at his own ridiculousness. Yeah. And he laughs at the, the crazy situations he mm. gets himself into. Same with, um, like, Bukowski or something. Mm. But there isn't an inherent humour in the serious themes that he's exploring. No, and I guess it's a different sort of humour. It's a, a mocking humour, mocking convention and society and, you know, highlighting the ridiculousness of convention. So we're trying to mock his his mocking of convention. Yeah, mm, exactly. Which is like one step removed. Yeah. I don't think there's no hit, but they're just squares. We see him on Monday in the paper. Welcome aboard, son. You're going to do a great job here. I can feel it. You're going to fit right in at desk number 3C, right next to Carl over there. But, but that desk, it's it's like a rectangle. It's it's so regular. It's just the same as all the others. To my mind, there's a couple of mistakes that I made. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, one of them was I had this notion that if I told the audience not to laugh, yeah. that they would be so um, desperate to laugh mm-hmm. that by me telling them not to laugh, they'd laugh more. Well, you see, that that is the classic comedy device. Well, tell t- people not to laugh, and then that's the one thing that they want to do well it turns out that's not what happened because people didn't laugh 
and not straight well it, it took a while because you tell people not to laugh and you get the stifled giggles Which was, I was kind of up for the stifled giggles. Yeah, but stifled giggles cannot last for half an hour. So that was, and then there was the clapping as well. Yeah. There is no clapping in the happening. Profound. You want to show your appreciation, show it with your thumbs, cats. Show it with your thumbs. Okay. So not allowed to clap. We made people click their fingers. Yeah, which is... Um, Apparently coherent with the style. That's what they used to do. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then the other mistake I think that I made... Um, God, this is terrible, just ripping into my own thing. We'll, we'll deal with the positives. Yeah, well... Uh, was doing it in the round. Because I kind of had this notion that it'd be really fun to kind of wander up to people, touch their faces, mm. just kind of being weird, inappropriate spaces, you know. Mm-hmm. And I actually think that when you're doing something that weird and it's that intimate and it's in the round, that the people watching it end up feeling like they're in it. Mm-hmm. And when you're in something like that, the last thing you even want to do is laugh because you don't want to draw attention to yourself because then <laughs> yeah, you're going to get true. like five crazy people well, touching your face. after the attack on gas. <laughs> he was asking for it. <laughs> I want to touch your balls! I want to touch your balls! I want to touch your balls! I want to take off your I don't think anyone would have made any noise. But, you see, I, I think you say they're mistakes. They're only mistakes in our intention. Yeah, they're just discoveries, aren't they? Yeah, and the, in fact, as it was going on, my intention changed completely from this is going to be comedy gold, this is going to be the funniest thing anyone's ever done, to, oh my God, this is actually a happening. Yeah. We are actually genuinely recreating a happening. And of course we are. I mean, how could you possibly not? Because, you know, the music was right, the atmosphere was right, and the we've got some great improvisers doing some great stuff on stage. So although there was irony, the irony did kind of drip out of it. It did, it did. Consume, consume, then vomit it up! Vomit up America! To you. It's so simple. It's so clear. It's so beautiful. The things I hear emote from out of your throat and speak into my cheek. So, for me, clearly, there's two ways to go from here. Mm. One is set it up to be funny. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think you'd have to take the audience out of the experience. Definitely. So that they could objectify it and laugh at it objectively. Um, Maybe not tell them to not laugh. Not tell them to not laugh <laughs> might help. Oh, God. It's quite important to watch it, to finding something funny. Yeah. Um, so that would be one way to go. I'm not sure how well that would work. 
Well, I'm, I would definitely do it again. Oh, well, I mean, there's no doubt. Do it again. And obviously, the counterpart counterpart to that is do it again, even more authentically. Take your gagginess out and your self awareness out. Do it for longer, and you know, actually try and have a happening happening. Um, can we talk about the musical side? Yes, of course, if you want. So um, l- let's talk about the setup you had for the band, because obviously it's the first time that we've done kind of band. That's kind of the first, yeah, first time I've used a band in improv comedy. So Al Grice on drums using brushes. And he also had some weird in- internal organs of a creature with pipes sticking out of it. Yeah, that's really funny. <laughs> we all hear the jazz. We all hear jazz. the jazz. Don't you jazz. hear it? Plug into America, baby, and listen to what it has to say. Conformity! Conformity! That's what America says! America says consume! Consume! Consume America! Eat it up! It's yours to eat! Consume the womb! Uh, and we had my friend John on flute. I knew that when he walked into the rehearsal room, he was the right dude. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's a dude. And he clearly had a great time. Yeah, he had a brilliant I time. Hope I'm, I hope I'm right in saying that. John, if you listen to this podcast, I hope you had a, as good a time as you seem to be having. Definitely. Um, so we decided that I would direct musically so that I could bring people in and out because... It was still an improv show, so you still need that instinct of when things start and when things stop. And I think that worked really well. This is what happened in rehearsal, is basically the musicians had way too much fun. And you guys could have left the room. We would have been there for like six hours, just noodling jazz. Um, From a musical improviser's point of view, because obviously this was a musical show but it didn't have singing... Mm. Um, but obviously it had poetry mm-hmm. um, and kind of coming in and out of prose and poetry and then the prose being affected by the music. It's really interesting because just lately a lot of this stuff's been happening in my improvised life, which is, you know, the, the rap stuff with Dave mm-hmm. and then a little bit of Shakespeare, you know, looking at iambic pentameter and stuff like that and um, and kind of finding the musicality in what you're doing with your speech. Well, the beat stuff is so much about that, isn't it? Rolling words around and, and kind of finding the syllables and where it all fits, and that turns into a piece of music in itself. Never been on a golf course before. Something about all this whiteness, all this clean, green machine of whiteness makes my skin crawl. Crawl into the sand. I want to crawl into the bunker in the sand and bury my head like an ostrich into America. And I really, um, I think there's a lot further to go with that. Mm. Um, because I think in, in the show itself, I think there was one section um, which was the freak, unique, my cheek, I seek. Mm-hmm. So we had one little scene where it was just purely kind of riffing words that just rhymed. Yeah. Go to the John. It's wrong. Be natural and go to the creek. 
Um, and I think part of the comedy of that little bit came because we were just playing the game of rhyming words. Yeah. Whereas other times we'd rhyme a little bit and then come back. And mm. that one, it was like, can we do an entire scene when we're just doing a scene but using rhyming words? Yeah. So there were a couple of other things that people said around that that I thought were interesting. One is, if we were going to do it authentically, we need mm-hmm. to lose the accents. Now, I didn't hear that piece of feedback. Oh, did you not? No. Because authentic means authentic. Mm-hmm. So it means discovering the truth. Yeah. And the truth for us is that we're English. And yeah. And that we, you know, it's pointless, it's meaningless. So um, that would be interesting because the whole thing was really accent. The pastiche there was the accents. And that helped us, I think, get into the feel of it. Yeah. But if we were to do the happening as the real thing, it's us. That's true. I mean, I, I guess, yeah, because it just comes back to this thing where you can go two ways with this thing. Hmm. One is real, one is um, stupid. Yeah. And I have to admit, like, I, my instinct goes, go stupid. Yeah, well, mine too. Well, my instinct goes both ways. But it would be interesting to lose the daddy-o, the hip, the hep cats, all that language of the 60s, and take the, uh, the genuine, what is the nuts and bolts of this concept, and take that right bang into present day. Yeah, that's true. Um, another bit of feedback I heard, and this could be to do with the fact that there was a room full of improvisers, really, that we were doing it to, is just people wanted to join in. Yeah, I to- everyone was like, I had to sit on my hands to yeah. stop myself jumping in. So, you know, I suspect that wouldn't be the case if it was general public who weren't used to improvising. They'd probably be the opposite. They'd be like, oh my God, please, please, I don't want to be involved in this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, there's obviously a lot of experimentation to do, isn't there? Mm. Like, do it in the wrong environment. Do it in a normal cabaret environment. Do it stupid, do it serious. Mm. Work on the music. So this is the beginning of our jazz journey, I would say. It is. God, we're into our experimental journeys, aren't we? Well, you know, life's an experimental journey, isn't it? Oh, yeah, man. God, yeah. (laughs) Oh, where's my drum kit? Um... I wonder if one day our singing experiments and our beat poetry experiment will, like, clash in some sing-on happening. I'm sure it will. <laughs> I'm sure it will. It's all the same thing, isn't it? Um, so, in conclusion... Yes. Just keep happening, man. Oh, God. <laughs> there is no conclusion. There is no conclusion. There's any more beginnings. There's well, any it's, more questions. It's, it's funny, isn't it? Yeah, because we, we wanted to make a podcast of it because obviously this was a great new experiment and it was musical and it's yeah. cool and we will do it again. But yeah, as you say, there, it's like we just kind of opened a lid on something, really. Yeah, there, there, you, you can never close doors in improvisation, can you? You can never be like, oh, well, that's done. We did that. That was great. Now let's do something else. But what's also interesting, we did our whole kind of um, kind of series on genres in mm. the last year yeah. for the podcasts, and um, and it it does strike me that we kind of approach that from a, if you have to sing a song in this style, this is how mm-hmm. you might do it. But actually, for you and me, part of our musical journey might be right. We're going to do a show, and the musical inspiration for it is going to be um, Scottish folk. Yeah, you know, and actually, kind of really go into stuff. Well, I mean, it's certainly taught me a lot more about the style and genre than just kind of listening to a couple of records and talking about it. Inevitably, you're doing a gig. So maybe that's the way. Keep doing experimental improvised theatre. Now I've said Scottish folk, I really oh, want to do a... Oh, God, like, here we go. What about, like, Balamori, <laughs> no. the improv Jesus. show? 
Yeah. Well, like, like an kids, adult, right? no, like an adult version of Balamori oh, with Christ. like Scottish folk. No. Or like um, ooh, um, Wicker Man. Wicker, the Wicker Man, Man, the improvised Wicker Man. Yeah? That's fine, because you don't need me for that, because it's all clapping and, and no. penny whistles and singing. No. It's this week. You wouldn't have someone with a, rolling a piano up to the cliff. But you could put, a, Wicker put Man. your accordion effect on. Oh, we on. are the Wicker Man, the Wicker <laughs> Man, the Wicker Man. It's just not, it's not right. Put the accordion setting on. It's going to be great, seriously. So, stay Heather's tuned. Heather's doing that on her own. Oh. Stay tuned for uh, our next podcast on the improvised Wicker Man. Yeah. Joe's away on holiday for the next year. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, well, thanks very much for listening. Yes, thank you very much. And, uh, yes, keep tuned for the next crazy weird experiment. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, please email us at openyourmouthandsing at gmail.com. Yes, or if you want to see more of what we do, you can visit our website, which is musicalimprovcomedy.co.uk. And you can, of course, subscribe to these podcasts um, by visiting Sing It on iTunes. Yes. Thank you very much. Bye! Bye. And it all comes down to now. This place, to these people, are these people, are these people? It's very close to rap, isn't it? Was there, was, here's my ignorance, was rap sort of known about? Did it exist in the 50s and 60s? Um, there's my ignorance too. Yeah. When was the first, what we would understand as rap? I could Wikipedia it now and then we could slice it in, but I'm not going to. No. It's just interesting because, I mean, maybe it came out of that. <laughs> I don't think it did. <laughs> we'll find out. Yeah. Uh, rhythm and, rhythm and blues isn't rap kind of couched in rhythm and blues. Raps are sort of West Coast. You, I'd stop talking <laughs> if I were you. If I were you, I would just stop because you're just going to talk shit, and then it's going to be embarrassing for both. Yeah, of rap is insert knowledgeable sentence <laughs> about the origin of rap. Oh.